If you have your Bibles, we are in Matthew chapter 7, which we are at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is our last day in it. We've been through it through the whole summer. And as you know, in Florida, you're never quite sure when summer is over. So it's a made up ending of summer. It used to be Labor Day, but we know it's going to be hot until the middle of October. So summer is still here. And then now with school starting early August, I don't know when summer's over. So I had to make it up. So I made it up that today is the end of summer, at least for our summer Bible study. So we'll finish uh, Sermon on the Mount today. We will then next week do a a, a sermon in in subject matter around world lead and understand what we do around the world and meet some of our missionaries and meet some of our partners and all of that. It's going to be a great time. And then in September, I'm going to do a very short study on the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians love, joy, peace, patience, et cetera. There's nine of them. I'll take three weeks or so, and then we'll start another series in October. So kind of taking a break. We've done a very long series here in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll take a few weeks and do some things that I'm not able to do in a long series and do a short time because I've not done any lengthy teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. And I think those are some key character qualities as we enter into the year and things like that. So we'll be doing that in September. It's in the book of Galatians. It's only one or two verses, so it's not like you have to read a lot to get it. But as a lot of the Bible is, it's easy to read but hard to do. That's part of it, so we'll learn from that. Today we're in the last section of the Sermon on the Mount, and you'll recall that the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' first major sermon that he does as he begins his ministry. This is the end of that. It takes about 20 minutes to read the Sermon on the Mount, but he gave it, I believe, over a period of several hours because he started the sermon, it was just his disciples. He ends the sermon and there's a huge crowd. They certainly could not have assembled in 20 minutes and have a huge crowd. So I believe that this sermon was a long sermon of which this is the compilation of that sermon, and he gives a parable at the end to kind of close the whole thing up. I'd like to read it. It's uh, chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 24, and I'll go to 8, verse 1. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. I'll stop it there because that's the rest of the story of the Gospels. When Jesus finished this sermon, he was ready to go. This sermon was the beginning of his ministry on earth. I think he had done some ministry things before that, but this was the major point of ministry. And I think for us, as we look at this parable of the wise man and the foolish man, and the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand and the storms and all the rest, that we need to realize 
that what needs to come out of this is that we need to walk off the hill, walk out of church, and realize God has something for us to do. It's not that we're just learning these pithy, great sayings that Jesus gave, love your neighbor as yourself, blessed are the poor in spirit, teaching us how to pray, how to fast, how to give, how to treasure certain things, not treasure other things. He's doing it with a purpose in mind. And Jesus spoke these words to his 12 disciples, probably the 70 disciples at this point, hundreds if not thousands of people assembled on that hill during this sermon, and then he walked down and it's immediately he begins his ministry. He doesn't wait, well, let's debrief this. What did you think about poor in spirit? What did you think about, you know, they didn't sit there and, you know, well, what does the Greek say about, you know, mercy? No, they went out and did it. And Jesus led them to do it. And so many times we study and then we go, you know what, I need to know more about studying. There comes a point in time where you just got to get out there. And this is the transition to get us out there. Can we look at it? I want to teach you five things out of this uh, parable. It's a parable. It's, and a parable is a truth told in a story. The story's not true, but the truth is true. Does that make sense? Please understand, you go, oh, did Jesus tell a lie? No, it's a, a picture, it's a metaphor. It's Jesus telling us a story that we can get something out of it. Number one, I want you to see that knowing and believing are two different things. Knowing and believing are two different things. He says here at the very beginning, everyone then who hears the words of mine and does it is certain things happen. We'll talk about it in a minute. In verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do it. Do you see here? Everybody in this story heard the words. Everyone in this story knew the words. Everyone in this story knew, if I can say it with respect, knew Jesus. How many times have you had, and I've had this so many times where I'll, I'll start talking to somebody and they go, yeah, I know that. I go, but do you believe that? It's one thing to know it, it's another thing to believe it. I had a boss uh, a few years ago before I became pastor. He was a great guy, he was like really good at what he did. And we we're having a spiritual conversation and one day I said, tell me about your faith. Because he was a good guy, he did good things. I said, tell me about your faith. And he said, my grandfather was a Baptist minister. I said, and? I didn't ask you about your grandfather's faith. He goes, well, my grandfather was a Baptist minister. And I said, okay. And that was his whole connection to knowing Christ. He got taken to church as a child. He knew the stories of Christ. If I had asked him about the feeding of the 5,000 or the crucifixion, he could have given me all those stories. He knew the stories. The point here is not do you know the stories do you believe the person of the stories? You see, there's so many people, those of you who like to study like I do, I love biographies, I love history. So I tell you, there's some people I really love. I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I love C.S. Lewis, I love Corey Tenboom. but can you tell them? I know, I know these people, but I've never met them. They were all dead before I was born, except Corey Tenboom. 
They were dead before I was born. So I don't know these people, but yeah, I do know them. I know about them. And so many people know about Jesus. So here it is. We're in church. There's a thousand of us here. There's hundreds on the live stream. There'll be hundreds more listening to this over the next couple of weeks. I do not assume that you believe in Jesus because you're here. I assume that you know about Jesus in some way or another, but please understand there is a huge difference between knowing and believing, and it's not hearing. You've all heard it, but you know it? Yeah. You know what? My grandfather was a Baptist minister. My mother sang in the choir. My sister worked as an altar girl. Uh, That's all good, but what about you? And the point is this, is that he's calling us because there's those who do something and those who don't do something with what they hear. Number two, there's a difference between believing, I'm using the word believe, believing and knowing, and believing and doing. Both of these people do something. So the doing is not the believing. They both build a house, don't they? After they heard, they both built a house. The person who is not following the word, which I believe here is the gospel, the salvation message, the word of Christ, they're not following the word, they are still building. Those who do follow the word are building. So you have both groups are building. And sometimes we think people who do things for philanthropy or good works or whatever you want to call it, are believers in Jesus Christ. No, they're just doers of good things. There is a big difference. I want you to do good things. God wants you to do good things, but do it because you believe in Jesus Christ. Don't just do it because you're good. Do you see the difference? And this is what he's saying, because they both build a house. Now, here's the thing. I can't tell the difference between the two houses. You couldn't tell the difference between the two houses. Two houses, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but the two houses are being built and they're doing. That's why words are important. So you take the word philanthropy, philanthropy. Philae means love, anthropy is people, mankind, anthropos. There's so many people do philanthropic things. They do it for the love of people. And there's nothing wrong for doing something in the love of people, but you don't have to be a believer to do something for the love of people. I like to use the word generosity. Generosity means to produce. We give, we do good things to produce something, and that is to produce godliness, to produce many things that it might be. We're here to, you give to produce something. You don't just give because you're good, Because here's the thing, what Francis of Assisi is claimed to have said, but I've researched and I don't think he ever said it about, you know, do good things and if you have to speak, then speak. I I can't even pronounce, I can't even say it because it bothers me so much. Be good, what's this? Preach Preach the gospel and use words if you have to. I just don't think that's right. Because people do good things. And if you see somebody doing a good thing, are they doing it because they're good or because God has told them to do it? You got to preach the gospel. People do not know that Jesus Christ and who he is and the Son of God and all unless they are told it. 
They're not gonna get it just by you doing good things. Now they'll be more receptive to the message if you do good things, but please understand at some point in time, you gotta share with your neighbors about Jesus. Don't think because you're the best neighbor in the neighborhood, they'll know you are a Christian. No, you gotta share about Jesus. Number three, so we have this knowing and believing, doing and believing, and this is one that's a little harder, but I've been looking at this over and over again. Okay, we're in Israel here. Okay, it's Israel, and Israel doesn't have a lot of rain, but a storm came, and the rains came down, the floods came up, and one of the houses went down, the other one stayed. So there's a storm. So most likely in this parable, these people understood that there weren't a lot of storms. This isn't like Florida. Florida, when I look out my balcony, I live on the fifth floor, I look out my balcony, there's a big rainstorm over there and then it's clear and then, you know what I mean? There's a big rainstorm over here. You can see the horizon and you might see three rainstorms. I saw that on Friday. I could see three huge rainstorms with no rain in between. Sun, shiny, hot, torrential rain, torrential rain, torrential rain. That doesn't happen in Israel. When it rains, everybody gets the rain. And because it mostly doesn't rain. So this storm is most likely the same storm. In other words, these two guys built their houses close together. So they were in the same storm. Proximity, location, does not determine belief. Some of you come to church and you are proximate. You are located around a bunch of people who are godly. Does not make you godly because you're near someone who is godly. We need to understand that. That's why faith, we talked about it last week, it's an individual thing. Now it's great that your grandfather was a Baptist minister. That's good. But that does nothing for you except maybe expose you a little more to the opportunities but you can grow up being a hellion or you can grow up being a godly person because it's the road, you remember the gate? We gotta go through the gate, it's the gate. So I want my kids to follow in my faith, but more than that, I want them to follow in their faith. When they're this big, they follow in my faith. When they're this big, if they're following in my faith, we've got problems, right? And that is the thing. And so I know a lot of people say, when kids go off to college, they leave the faith. I think they never had the faith. I think they had their parents' faith and they're leaving their parents' faith. If it was really their faith, they wouldn't be leaving their faith. Do you see what I'm saying? We get so excited when our kids and our grandkids and this follow in, you know, they do as we do. I want them to do as God does. Not what I do because something happens, they're connected to the real point. The connection doesn't come them to me to him. The connection goes from them to him. And I'm here fanning their flame, as Paul says, of the faith. I'm fanning that flame so that they have the faith, not fanning the flame so they act like me. Now we want our kids to act like us in many ways. Thank God they don't in all the ways because we do have flaws in us, but we want them to act like this because it's their faith. So proximity is not the answer. It's good, but it's not the answer because the rock and the sand are in similar locations. Number four, and I alluded to this a minute ago, they built similar houses. On the outside, most likely, and you can only surmise here 
because he doesn't say anything about the houses. Now, we think of houses here in South Florida or in the United States, and we think every house looks a little different, right? You have a gabled roof, you have a hip roof, you have a traditional, you have brick, you have stucco, you have wood siding, you have asphalt shingles, you have barrel tile. Every house looks a little different. Well, back then, they just built houses. It was basic shelter. So this house looks the same as this house. So if I was walking by and looking at these two houses as houses, I couldn't tell the difference between the two houses. And that's the point. I can't tell the difference sometimes. You do good things, we do some bad things, we do good things. I don't know the difference. So what is the difference? The difference is the foundation. The difference is what's underneath holding it up, right? Now it's rock and it's sand. Now here's what, I gotta dispel something. Think about what you think of sand. Do you have a picture of sand in your mind? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of one of two things. You're thinking, those of us who live here in South Florida, we're thinking of the sand by the beach. And we're thinking the sand in your backyard when the grass dies and you realize when you walk in it, you start to sink, right? You go, who in their right mind would build a house on sinking sand? Or the second one you're thinking about is the Sahara Desert. And you're thinking about that movie, that black and white movie of that person trying to get to the oasis and they, they step and they go into the sand up to their knees and then they step and go in and they barely make it back to the oasis. That's the sand. I don't believe that's the sand we're talking about here. In Israel, I've been there many times, the sand is hard because the wind is blown on it, little water's got it on it, and it's hard. You can walk on the sand and it looks like rock. It looks like rock. Even in my weight, I can walk on it and it doesn't crack. A few years ago, I used to have a four-wheel drive, and when the kids were younger, on Sunday afternoon, we'd throw them all in the back, on their seatbelts, don't worry, in their seatbelts, every one of them. I have to say that because their mom is here. And we'd go out into the woods and into the Everglades and go up and down and in the water and into the sand and into everything, right? Well, the sand out there is different than the sand here. So one Sunday we did it and I came back, I go, I gotta clean this car up. It looks like unbelievable and Elizabeth can't see this thing. So we washed the car at one of those ones you can do it yourself, clean it all up and they were having church. I wasn't a pastor then, having church on Sunday night service. So I come over, we go to church, we're on time, everybody's happy, we get out of the service. I get to the car and it won't move. The car won't move, I think I've broken the steering column because we were doing all this stuff and thought, I've broken the steering column. So I get it towed to the um, dealer. I call and leave a message. I'll call you in the morning and they tow it. In the morning, the dealer calls me, bursting in laughter, <laughs> laughter. I go, this is not funny. These steering columns cost a lot of money and the rack and pinion underneath it and all that. He goes, wait a minute, it was sand. I go, what do you mean it was sand? He goes, the sand hardened like cement. And you couldn't turn the steering wheel because the whole, I don't, you guys know more than I do, but the rack and pinion system couldn't move because the sand had turned to rock. And he's laughing. I'm thinking, laughing? I got to buy a new steering thing. He goes, no, no, no. I, he said, I said, what are you going to do? He goes, 
I already did it. I put a hose to it. And it dissolved. And I got all the sand at the bottom of the well of my shop. He was more mad about the sand on the floor, but he was laughing. I went down. He saved me a piece. It was hard as rock. He chipped it out before he wanted me to have a piece. Do you realize it's hard? People think they're building their lives on the real stuff. Please understand, you'd have to be a real fool to build a house on the Sahara Desert. That is a real fool, and some do. But let us not think that there's just these total idiot fools out there building their house on the Sahara Desert. There are people that think they are on solid ground. And when the rains come and the floods rise and the winds blow, that hard sand dissolves. And when that hard sand, they didn't have steel reinforced foundations, the house goes down. Do you see it? The house goes down. The important thing is that the rock, and in Israel, again, it's not the loose rock that we see sometimes in the Rocky Mountains or even in North Carolina where they have that beautiful river rock that's kind of loose. These are hard, huge rock formations. So when you put your foundation on that rock formation, that house is not going anywhere because that rock is not going anywhere. And we have a choice. We can build on a very strong, sturdy foundation when things are going well. It's hard sand. You can do that. And you know what? It only rains occasionally in Israel. It might be two years before that storm comes. And you go, boy, this is great. I am doing really good. But please understand that the only way your house will survive is on the real rock. And we believe that is Jesus Christ, who is the rock. I'm not the rock. Nothing's the rock except Jesus Christ. And that's what this story is about. And what I'd like to do now is I want to commemorate the rock, who is Jesus Christ. We're going to end the summer. We're going to end this time of um, the Sermon on the Mount with celebrating and commemorating communion. Each of you received a little communion piece here. And sorry, we're still kind of in the COVID methodology on, how, on giving this out. You take the little plastic piece out of the top, and there's the bread. You take the bigger cellophane silver-looking thing, and you open it, and there's the juice. But before you do, this is what I want. If you don't have, some of the guys will be walking around. Just raise your hand, and they'll give you one if you don't have one. But my question is this. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ? I don't mean do you. Everyone in here knows Jesus Christ. They know of him. You probably even know a few verses. You grew up a little. You know I'm talking about do you believe in Jesus Christ? Because if you believe in Jesus Christ, there are things that happen that are different. Let me just share before we do it. I got to share this. Since I mentioned C.S. Lewis is one of my heroes. He wrote a little story. He said, when I was a child, I often had a toothache. I knew that if I went to my mother, she would give me something that would deaden the pain for that night and let me get to sleep. But I did not go to my mother, at least not till the pain became very bad. And the reason I did not go to her was this. I did not doubt she would give me the aspirin, but I knew she would also do something else. 
I knew she would take me to the dentist the next morning, and I did not want to go to the dentist. I wanted immediate relief from pain, but I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. And I knew those dentists. I knew they'd start fiddling around with all sorts of my other teeth, which had not yet begun to ache. They would not let sleeping dogs lie. We only want to come to Jesus when our tooth aches. And then we kind of say, well, maybe I won't because I know if I come to Jesus, he's going to start meddling in the rest of my life. Right? (laughs) He's not going to let sleeping dogs lie. And so a lot of us, a lot of you, we go, I don't know. So if you're in this room or you're on the live stream and you've never believed in Jesus Christ, today is the day to do it. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It doesn't say just know about Jesus or hang out with Christians. It says, believe, that's you individually. And if you believe in him, you shall have eternal life, a new life, a life that's built on the rock, not a life that's built on the sand. Now, part of this, a couple things about communion is it's for believers. If you're a believer, you don't have to be a member of this church. People always ask me, do I have to be a member to take communion? No. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ and you're in the kingdom of God and anybody in the kingdom of God is welcome to take it here at Boca Raton Community Church. But if you're not a believer and you say, I just don't want to be a believer, I'm not ready yet, just don't use it. Just leave it and put it in the pew in front of you or take it out with you and leave it in the back afterwards. You're not offending me. I just don't want you to offend God. Because Christ says, don't take it in the wrong way. There's a part of confession, there's a part of believing, and there's a part of commemoration. And so, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says these words. Paul said, for I received the Lord from the Lord, which also was delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, said, this is my body, which is for you, Do this in remembrance of me. Take that out and eat that bread. And Father, we thank you for what your son Jesus did on the cross in dying and the breaking of his body for us. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread of the, and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let each of us examine ourselves then, and so as we eat this bread and drink this cup. So Father, we thank you again for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. As we drink this, we commemorate what he did for us so many years ago. Drink you all of it.
Now, if you need to take a moment, let's just pause as the piano is playing and just pray. For those who don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. For those of you who do, spend a moment in time with your King. Jesus or do you believe in Jesus? Do you do good things or do you believe in Jesus as you do those good things? Do you come to church and are you close to the things of Jesus or do you believe in Jesus? Do you look similar to other Christians in the way you act? That's good, but do you believe in Jesus? The wise man believed and built his house upon the rock. And when the rains came down and the floods came up and the winds blew, the house stood firm. Father, I thank you for all you have done in our lives and in each person's life here today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.